Today is an exciting day, not just because it's Sunday and all Sundays are exciting, um, but we are starting a new tradition today. And by the way, if anybody knows any techniques of how to keep rugs straight, we are in desperate need of that because this one is a big time tripping hazard. But uh, we are starting a new tradition today here at Journey, and that is that on the fourth Sunday of each month, we are going to spend uh, a significant amount of time during our gathering uh, praying uh, for one another and for needs um, represented in our uh, community. And so not only do we get the privilege of praying together, but you also get a shorter sermon, which everyone is always excited about, right? Uh, and uh, to add to the excitement of the day, uh, I am beyond excited that we have the newest member of Journey to introduce to you. Jeremy already talked about it, uh, but we have just stepped up our operation uh, to a brand new coffee machine. My clicker over here, for some reason, is not wanting to work for us. So the, it was a, a good lead-in, but a bad execution. There we go, I think it's up there. But there we have a new coffee maker. And uh, this coffee machine allows us to brew coffee for Sunday mornings, and uh, it's delicious coffee, if I say so myself. And the reason why it's delicious is because I have made friends with a uh, local business owner who runs a coffee shop here in Dallas. Uh, if you are a first-time guest with us, you will get a coupon to get a free drink uh, of at Cultivar, and uh, they have made a deal with us that they will accept these coupons for a free drink, and then we pay for them later, so they have done an excellent uh, service for us there in doing that, um, but he also helped outfit us with a real deal coffee machine that uh, is helping us to serve good coffee. Uh, what I always say is that when we come to church, we talk about the good work that we do, and we share the good news, and how can we do that if we don't also serve good coffee, right? Uh, so it uh, is an important part of what we do, uh, and so we are glad to be able to do that. And the really cool thing about that coffee machine is that uh, the money that we raised from uh, our sale when we left our old building to come here, the things that we were no longer using, uh, and that were no longer necessary for us, uh, we had a sale of those things, and the money that we raised to that sale uh, paid for this uh, new coffee machine. So that's a pretty cool um, thing there. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, for some reason my clicker's not working. I'm not sure what's happening here, but um, I might need your help. Um, technology is wonderful until it doesn't work, right? Then you are left high and dry. Uh, <coughs> one of the things that we say here often is that we desire to be a church that seeks to corporately, together, uh, and individually leverage our abilities, our influence, our resources to bless our neighbor. And one of the most effective ways for us to do this is also one of the most overlooked ways, and it is the way of prayer. 
praying for one another, praying for our neighbors is a way to uh, bless them, to bless our neighbor. And one of my favorite things about Journey is that for some time now, we have a committed group of people who gather weekly for prayer, specifically to pray for one another and to pray for our neighborhood. Um, we have just recently started, uh, through Jeremy's exploration and ingenuity, um, a way for us to collect uh, prayer requests from our community here surrounding uh, this neighborhood. And uh, people have people who aren't associated with Journey, aren't affiliated with Journey, um, have invited us to pray for them by submitting requests. And uh, we have uh, the blessing to be able to offer prayers on their behalf. And in a little bit, as we pray together, um, some of those concerns are going to be listed on the screen, and you'll have a chance to pray for your neighbor here, even though... We don't know them. And what's interesting, as we talked about earlier, about the community hours that we are serving, uh, which as we talk often in the church about being generous with our finances, uh, the reality is that for many of us, being generous with our finances is, uh, is something that is sort of easy for us to do. It's something that's natural, something that we've always done. And so we not only need to consider how we are financially generous, but we need to be generous. Sometimes uh, in our culture, we have a resource that is more generous even than money, and that's the generous of our being generous with our time, right? Uh, we don't often think about it that way, um, but uh, just as we might desire to set aside some of our finances, uh, we need to at least consider what does it look like to uh, be generous with our time. Uh, as they say, uh, time is money, right? And uh, it can be something that we uh, leverage in order to bless our neighbor. And so as we calculate the time that we spend and we think through the ways in which we invest in our community through our time, uh, as we have the things that we do regularly here at Journey, uh, things like serving at Brighter Bites, the movie on the wall, which is another event that we regularly do, uh, those things all fell in place, uh, not because we just through our greatness decided upon them, but they all came in place uh, because people here began to pray, and God led uh, us to the places um, for us to serve. And though, uh, as Jeremy said, we're in the process of being reborn, of being born again, um, you know, churches need to be born again at times, right? They need to be reborn, uh, and that's where we currently are, but that even has come about uh, because of prayer. Prayer is the mechanism through which God is present to us and through which God leads us. Uh, in our house, 
these last couple of weeks have been exciting. Um, our oldest daughter went to science camp, uh, and our youngest son, who's in kindergarten, uh, is elated that he has a couple more weeks of school, and then he is free for the whole summer. And for some reason, over the last week or so, Jonas has been exceptionally chatty. He's always kind of chatty, but this week, uh, for some reason, he has desired to share more than what he normally does. Usually when he gets into the car after school, he's pretty tired from the day, uh, but he has just gone on and on about all of the things that he has going on, um, all of the interactions that he had with his friends, the things that he learned, the things that he's looking forward to about summer. He just shares those things. And I was thinking about how I get joy just sitting and listening to Jonas share about his day, right? I delight in knowing what is going on in his life and what he wants to tell me. God delights in his children sharing with him the things that are going on. Now, Jonas is excited because this summer we're going to do some really cool things, and he knows all about them. He, he, we've told him, we've shared those things with him. He still takes the time to share with me the things that I have shared with him that we're going to do this summer, right? I am fully aware of the things that we're going to do this summer, and he, when he shares them with me, I still find joy in that, right? God is aware of what is going on in our lives and around us. And so we could say, well, I don't really need to spend time telling God what God already knows. But the reality is that God delights in us sharing with him just as a parent does with their children. Uh, Jonas and all of my kids will often say, Dad, uh, here's what I need. Okay? Um, four o'clock this morning, Jonas was scared and needed uh, something. And I said, well, just go back to sleep. You'll be okay. Uh, and uh, he didn't. He kept crying out. And eventually I got up out of bed and, and, and helped him uh, through his need by putting him in his bed next to his mom. And then I got up. But... Uh, when Jonas needs something, he'll say, Dad, here's what I need. And oftentimes, not all the time, because uh, it doesn't always work out this way, but oftentimes I will get whatever it is that he needs, and I will do so joyfully. God always responds to us uh, in what we need. And it doesn't always work out the way, exact way that we want it. Sometimes Jonas asks for soda, and he gets water. Uh, but he has his needs met, right? And God desires uh, to meet our needs. And so we need to learn to spend time in prayer. Uh, there's an author by the name of Richard Foster um, who quite literally wrote the book on prayer. Uh, he wrote a book called Prayer. And uh, there's a couple of quotes that I wanted to share with us this morning as we uh, lead into a time of prayer but maybe to help us think differently about prayer, maybe uh, to solidify what we already knew. But here's the first one. It says this, The primary purpose of prayer is to bring us into such a life of communion with the Father that by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
We are increasingly conformed into the image of the Son. Right? So prayer is the vehicle which God uses in order to form and shape us into the image of Jesus. This one, I think, might challenge some of our understanding of prayer, but here's what he says. He says, your prayer must be turned inward, not towards a God of heaven, nor towards a God far off, but towards God who is closer to you than you are aware. And sometimes we are thinking God is so far away that God is somewhere out there and we don't know when we're praying if our prayers are reaching to wherever it is that God is. But God is closer than we could ever imagine because God is present in and with us. Uh, and then this quote, simple prayer involves ordinary people bringing ordinary concerns to a loving and compassionate Father. There is no pretense in simple prayer. We do not pretend to be more holy, more pure, or more saintly than we actually are. We do not try to conceal our conflicting and contradictory motives from God or ourselves. And in this posture, we pour out our heart to the God who is greater than our heart and who knows all things. So it's a great uh, description of prayer. And then lastly, this one. Our problem is that we assume prayer is something to master in the way we master algebra or auto mechanics that puts us on top, in the on top position where we are competent and in control. But when praying, we come underneath where we calmly and deliberately surrender control and become incompetent. Surrendering control and being incompetent are two things that in our Western American existence, things that we spend our lives fighting against. Right? We want to be in control. And control really is an illusion, right? We have very little control over anything. Um, but we spend our lives seeking, fighting for, positioning ourselves to try and grasp some sort of control. And one of the worst things that you could be called would be incompetent, right? But through prayer, we understand that we control very little, and so whatever it is that we can control, we surrender that. And we take all of our self-sufficiency, all of our uh, thinking that we can uh, solve all of the problems and do all of the things. We lay those at the feet of Jesus and become incompetent uh, for the sake of the kingdom. Earlier, uh, Jeremy read the passage of the person who was apparently paralyzed, right? unable to move, unable to do for himself what he needed to do in order to find healing 
and wholeness. And on that day when we read this scripture, he had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus says to him, do you want to be well? He explains to Jesus, yes, right? I want to be well. For 38 years, I have laid here by this poolside, but there has been no one to help me. There has been no one to push me into the water as it is stirred. So Jesus says to him, well, get up and move on. And that's exactly what happens according to the scripture. He finds the healing and wholeness that he sought in Jesus. What's interesting um, uh, about this scripture, that as we think about our role as kingdom people in the world and the role that we are able to play in loving our neighbor uh, in, uh, through prayer, through praying, and, and, and then through the good deeds of meeting needs as well. But what's interesting is I want to draw our attention to something that is missing in this story. Uh, if you were astute as the story was being read, maybe something seemed like it was missing as you heard it. But then if you were actually to look in your Bible, there is this interesting notation there. I'm not sure how well you can see that. depends on if you have your glasses or how well your eyes work. But there's verse 3, and then it just skips to verse 5. There's no verse 4 here. My Bible, this is the picture of my Bible that I took this morning, it annotates it with verse 4 in parentheses. And then you wonder, well, what happened to verse 4? Where did it go? Right? Uh, if you have a King James Version, you might see your verse 4 there. And the reason why verse 4 is not in the modern translations is because since the King James Version of the Bible was translated, uh, they have found more manuscripts that predate the manuscripts that were used for the King James Version. And in many instances of those manuscripts, this verse 4 uh, isn't represented in the ancient writings. And so most of the more modern translations just simply omit it, but they kind of keep the placeholder there because it's important to know that in some of the manuscripts, this verse is present. And here is what it says. Now, as you're reading this, you've got to read it slowly because it is in the King James Version, and there's some strange words in there, but here's what it says. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease they had. Now, when we think about this troubling the water, it may be more, uh, maybe make more sense for us to understand it as agitating the water, right? Stirring it up, bubbling the water up, moving the water around. And apparently what the legend was is that an angel of the Lord would come down and stir the water, would agitate the water, and then whoever was first 
would receive the wholeness and healing that they sought. That's why this man laid for 38 years next to the pool. I want us to think about our role in prayer as agitators. Now, an agitator is not necessarily, is not usually thought of as a good thing, right? Uh, you might say that your little uh, sibling, no matter how old you are, uh, that your little sibling is an agitator, right? They agitate you, they irritate you, they get under your skin. I don't want us to think about agitators that way because that would be the opposite of what uh, God is calling us to, but to be agitators as it that we will stir the waters around us through prayer, right? We get involved in the in the lives of people and spend our efforts and energies praying on their behalf, seeking the blessing of wholeness and healing uh, through the power of prayer. And in doing so, as we agitate the waters, our neighbors will be plunged into the stream of God's healing.